I know it's like, well, that's like a really wordy way of saying you can't fuck right. Yeah, that means you're bad. <laughs> you your, your bedroom game is shit. <laughs> if you're bad enough that she's not even going to put the effort in to fake it, you're really, really bad. <laughs> Candy the final girl. Tampons aren't gross. Women bleed and that's natural. Do you know that most men have never seen a used tampon? Hi, I'm Erica from My Horrific Life. According to the experts, men are very fragile. They can get crushed down if you assert yourself in any way. If you can't tell by now, tonight's topic on the house that screams, ladies edition, is The Love Witch from 2016, directed by Anna Biller. Um, got a lot to say about her, um, but Erica is going to start us off. Oh, man. Um, so I did get to see this movie the year it came out. I saw it on the big screen with my former podcast co-host, Todd, and his wife, Colleen. We made an hour pilgrimage to the nearest Alamo Draft House and uh, settled in, in the front row to watch this and uh, proceeded to laugh our asses off at you know, just some of the the cool, funny things with this movie. Um, we all agreed this was a really awesome film, and we we all like it better with each rewatch. Um, it's just gorgeous visually, um, shot on thirty five millimeter film. There's a lot of great uh, kind of retro wardrobe and makeup going on with it, and a lot of like really fun, uh, sometimes cringe inducing. Uh, things about gender roles and sexuality in this film that it's really really fun to dig into definitely and you know i think it would be remiss if like you didn't address the gender politics and and you know some of the 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 gender norms so to speak um Anna Biller actually takes that pretty personally she's she's Mm -hmm. very serious about this film and i like when she talks about that you know um it comes from a place of darkness it comes from a place of personal experience for her and i love how she came up with the idea of 
like the kind of sort of the germ of the idea, I guess is uh, how Stephen King would put it. Um, she was reading like a relationship self-help book, I guess. And it said that the best way to keep your man, as we know in every Cosmo issue, there's, there's a new way. And it's usually something really degrading. But the best way to keep your man, apparently, that she read was to love him less than he loves you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's very sad, but... Uh... Yeah, it's a I, after... political, like like a political platform, like, okay, you know, for for him to, to keep my man, you know, and there's always all these things like how to keep your man, and it's still to this day the fact that we have to worry about how to keep our man, how to please our man, like that that's what we're supposed to do. Right, and I mean, on the upside, some of the advice has changed, but then when you think we've moved past that as a society, there's some author that drags us back into this sort of 1950s-ish gender role, you know, type of advice. And so in honor of this movie and that type of advice, I dug out a couple books I had on my shelf and forgot about. One is called Pink Think, and it's uh, Pink Think, Becoming a Woman in Many Uneasy Lessons by Lynn Peril. And she collected and read a bunch of these vintage uh, dating advice books for women, and then the other one that I drug out, since this is a, a movie about witchcraft, um, the the founder of the, the the Church of Satan, Anton LaVey, wrote his own advice book called The Satanic Witch. Yeah. And it's his advice for like how women should uh, seduce or uh, snare men, you know, for for marriage or sex or whatever, you know, you want, uh, but. Wow, there's just, <laughs> there's like a lot to say about about this. And it ends up being insulting to both men and women, I think. Yeah, I think it's just insulting to both genders and that. Because we're talking about, you know, heterosexuality here. Mm-hmm. And um, is, is you know, talking about keeping your man or you pleasing your woman or whatever. I mean, we're, we're bringing it down to this heteronormativity. And uh, um, that's way, way outdated. <laughs> it way is. Outdated. I notice with uh, that does kind of fit in with um, the Wiccan uh, theme of this. So a lot of like old school Wiccans, like uh, the characters portrayed in this film are really into this concept of polarity magic and that there's, you know, masculine and feminine energy and this idea that the sort of essentialist gender binary that, that men have this role over here, women have this role over here, they're complementary but opposite traits. Right. And that that people, you know, don't have androgynous personalities or if they do, that means they're weak or defective in some way. So in that mindset for for magic to work, you kind of have to harness this idea of polar opposites. So I, I, I kind of found it ironic, like uh, for a lot of the movie when Elaine is seducing different men and then they become very emotional, she disrespects them. Yeah, certainly she doesn't want them. They're too clean. They're too needy. They're too feminine, almost. Yeah, that they're like, oh, what a pussy. She says about the one guy, first guy becomes really emotional, and she loses respect for him because it's like he's acting too much like a woman, and he has all these emotions spilling out of him. The guy she, like, thinks is the one at the end, he's so masculine that he won't feel anything for her. But then that relationship you know, can't go anywhere. Yeah, he's her her perfect polar opposite and this perfect masculine ideal, but this relationship can't go anywhere because he refuses to feel love. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, with Elaine, I, I think her character is, you know, she wants love so bad, but she mm-hmm. wants like this, I, I think she's in love with love. Yeah. I just think she can actually be in love with the person. Because I think people that's are true. flawed, so, so nobody, it's like at the end, you know, no one can ever love you, no man can love you enough. Mm-hmm. You know, or the right way, and we see how that goes uh, for her. Yeah, and I, I think that does tap into like they even um, even that that police detective character that that she's in love with near the end of the film. Uh, he he calls it out as borderline personality disorder. Yeah, and, and I think that narcissism. Yeah, that she is kind of like this bottomless pit that no matter what you do to show her love or affection it's never enough or she's just not satisfied with it Uh, so i mean there's like a whole discussion that we could have about psychology and personality disorders with that character definitely but you know my my take from that is honestly and things have changed you know for a generation like my children Mm -hmm. um, you know obviously my girls have been raised differently, but still in the eighties, when I was growing up, you know, every girl wanted to play with Barbies and, and you were supposed to want to grow up and have a beautiful, huge wedding. And I, I hate weddings for that reason. I've never had a wedding wedding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, I'm not that girl. Um, but, uh, you know, cause I always buffed against the system, but you know, we, we are kind of trained even still then that, we were supposed to grow up and marry, you know, our, our, our prince and, and everything was going to be lovely, wonderful. And we were going to, you know, have kids and we were going to be domestic. I was raised to be domestic. Now here's the interesting part. I have chosen to be a domestic. Now there's Mm -hmm. a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm a well-educated woman and, uh, you know, um, it doesn't stop me from doing other things, but I like being domestic. I've chosen that life of, you know, staying home, raising my kids. And, you know, that part's pretty much over almost for me, but, you know, cooking, I love to cook. I love cleaning. I like doing that stuff, but nobody, I didn't like it when somebody was telling me that I had to do that. Exactly. I've chosen to do it. But even now, now that that ha- has been taken from me, I'm able to give into my own pursuits and, you know, kind of work my brain more, but, you know, it's something that I chose to do, and, and, and that's where the power comes from, you know, mm-hmm. and people are like, how can you be a feminist if you are a housewife? I'm mm-hmm. like, it's really easy if you actually study feminism. Um, it's really easy. It's all about power and what empowers you, and I am big into third wave feminism, and, um, and that's where we have reclaimed our bodies as not just to be objectified, but as a source of power and being mm-hmm. proud of it and to uh, reclaim some of the nasty words and, you know, just kind of uh, we can still be feminine, but it's not because the patriarchy is telling us to be feminine. It's because we want to feel feminine. Exactly. It, yeah, it's it's different if it's something freely chosen because of your own sovereignty, if it's something that is forced upon you and crammed down your throat, then regardless of what that thing is, it's not empowering. And I if think if it, you can oh. freely choose, then yeah, it definitely it can be feminist, even if it, it falls under the kind of more traditional skill set. But I kind of think of things as like cooking and house cleaning and homemaking. I mean, they should just be human skills. So, I mean, I can definitely do those things too, but it's not all I want to do. I, right. And it's not all that, other, right. It doesn't define everything exactly. that I am. It's I something think, that I do, but yeah, I've chosen yeah. 
I think part of the problem is when women were put into that box of like, this is all of what your role is, that that becomes just really, really suffocating. So. Yeah. I mean, there was a point in my life, you know, and, and it makes me wonder because Annabelle never really did kind of go into what the personal stuff was that is integrated in this film. That's why this film is very personal to her. But I know for me, um, a little bit of, you know, sort of what got to Elaine, but it didn't get to me in that way. Um, like, you know, we hear the voices of her kind of reminiscing her father, telling her she was not thin enough. Oh, and, yeah. and, you know, um, just she needs to put on makeup and fix her hair and her husband saying these disparaging things. And so, you know, it's it's like this this shame. And it's, so it's like we feel like we have to do it. And, you know, I almost got married um, I was engaged when I was 17, wow. but you know, my mom was pushing it. Oh, here's man. your man. Here's your white knight. That's going to save you. I'm like, I don't want someone to save me. I got to save myself, but mm-hmm. I was very young and he was a little bit older and my mom was just completely okay with this. My family was okay with it. And I had a panic attack that was so bad. It lasted for days and I just immediately broke up with him. And that was rough because I really, really cared about him, but you know, I was so young and I didn't want somebody to swoop in and save me because my problems were still going to be there. I knew, I was wise enough at least to know that. But so I had this pressure, you know, to, to be this role, to be a mom, to be a wife. To, and I'm just like, eh, I don't know. So it made me avoid it for a while, but um, yeah. And so with Elaine, you know, I just think that, you know, she took that and, and because she obviously has some sort of predisposition or maybe um, through some trauma, um, developed some of these disorders, um, she just took it to the nth degree. And and I with and she's almost insulting to to, you know, to the whole practice of witchcraft because she's and they do make a comment about that in the film where they're like, she's just using sex magic yeah <laughs> to, to do this and it's that's she's not supposed to do that like you can't just do that it's too powerful and and you saw it's very very powerful it kills people and <laughs> um you know and but she didn't care like she's she's cold she is absolutely ice cold yeah there's she nothing did. going on there definitely i i guess on the topic of witchcraft like i'm not personally a wiccan but i know people who are and who've made it to advanced degrees within Gardnerian and other types of Wiccan covens. But I, just from what my friends have told me, having watched this film and what I've done with my own research, um, it seems like Anna Biller like really knew her shit when it came to Gardnerian Wicca. Yes. Uh, Like some of the rituals are verbatim what they actually use. Um, There's the whole sky clad, you know, thing, group nudity, basically. But also the scene where um, Elaine is kind of under duress, is having sex with the high priest. It's very uncomfortable. So cringy. That, yeah. is, that is actually a thing in like traditional Gardnerian Wicca. Like I think it's the third degree under his system that when you reach that level of initiation, you are going to have sex with the high priest. And it's like, if you're a woman, and it's like, ooh, it's like, yeah, almost all covens, even if they come from a, a Gardnerian tradition or influence, they have gotten rid of that with good reason. Um, yeah. Yeah. That That is like something that 
Gerald Gardner came up with as part of his initiation system, which seems a little self-serving. Yeah, but, I would think so. <laughs> but I found it kind of interesting that there's this, you know, she talks about that witchcraft saved her life and that's what gave her power back. But I mean, she was actually kind of victimized by, by her own, you know, new religion that she followed just because of, of that sexual exploitation that's built in. And you can tell she just loathes the high priest of the coven. Like, yeah, that look on her face is chilling. Yeah. Every, every time he like tries to cozy up to her in public or flirt with her and she just like, boom, shuts him down. And it's like, yeah, she went along with it for that, that initiation that she had to do. But like, other than that, it's just like, she is clearly disgusted by that guy. (laughs) And I think, honestly, like, sex is hollow in general for her because she never seems to enjoy it. She's kind of daydreaming about other things or mm-hmm. she's got this kind of, like, empty look in her eyes and on her face. Like, if this is what it takes to mm-hmm. make you love me, to make you become obsessed with me, then I guess go ahead and do it. But she's, you know, thinking about something else. She's thinking about other things or thinking about love, the idea of love. This means love. And I have... um I've known many females and I, I just have never understood it myself that equate sex with love. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. That is absolutely not true. You know, um, I don't like believe in slut shaming or anything. I I want, I think women should be sexually liberated. Like whatever makes you happy, as long as people aren't getting hurt and you're being safe, like do your thing. Um, yeah if they're if they're doing if they're having sex because that's what they enjoy and they want to share that with the partner that's different but if it's like oh i'm just going to do this to make this other person love me that's just fucking not gonna work yeah i had a couple friends that i've uh had distanced myself from because you know every other post was drama like they met a new guy they slept with them right away and why does me love me because i shared my soul with him and i'm like no i mean sharing your soul with somebody with sex that's like marriage level you know like that deep and sometimes not even in all marriages it depends on the marriage yeah yeah definitely because some marriages hang on by a thread the whole time and you really have to be on that same level and um yeah i mean it's just it, it it does not equal love it does not right Right. And they always get their heart broken and they do it again and again and again. And I'm like, I got to distance myself because I'm getting dizzy. Like, it's just negative energy that's like sucking me. It is. It's that whole, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Yeah. It's like never works. And it definitely seems that way with Elaine. Like she keeps doing the same thing with different men and it never works. And it does seem like her philosophy is like, give, give the man everything he wants and, you know, give everything to him sexually and completely fulfill his fantasies. And that will make him love you. And I guess some of the men do love her, but then she can't take it when they do because they're too emotional and then they're pussies. (laughs) They keep clingy and she's so very, you know, self-possessed and cool you know, underneath this whole facade that she puts on, like, under right. underneath that, it's like she's kind of hollow and, mm-hmm. you know, just dark inside, and, you know, it mm-hmm. just, it's like, you can't, that's not going to fix your problems. 
But, you know, she's in love with love. And it's like, no, maybe you should just stick with being in love with love, you know, because you're never going to be happy. There's never going to be the white knight coming and scooping you off on the horse and you right away. And you're a princess. And no, that's not real. All that stuff that they feed you when you're a little girl is bullshit. Right. (laughs) It's all bullshit. That's not how it works. So I got to, I have to read some selected quotes from this Pink Think book. These are pieces of advice from various self-help books. So don't wear styles men consider queer from How to Pick a Man. This was before queer meant gay, but I guess just things that are too quirky or strange is what that meant. Well, I'd never get a man. (laughs) I know, right? It's like, that's the fun thing. Here's like an odd one. Um, Men are disillusioned by such things as hair curlers, Awkward positions and postures, unattractive sounds in the throat, making up in public, and they've noticed the way we yank down our girdles. <laughs> I guess, like, I think we don't have girdles now, but I guess if I'm, like, adjusting my bra and, like, you know. Yeah, because, man, I, I wear some contraptions. I'm like, oh, so it's got to yeah. be <laughs> moved around. Um, avoid wearing a ring on your long center finger. I've messed that up. That's from the book, Your Power as a Woman. That's weird. Yeah, men instinctively writhe at the sight of ugly chipped fingernails. I don't know if most hetero men even notice that shit. I don't don't think Sean's ever once said anything about my fucking fingernails. (laughs) Never. I've noticed that. I disagree with my fingernails, like done them all up. Yeah, and it's like, you know, like, it's like gay men notice that stuff, but like they my... They do, but they're very aesthetic. My my hetero male friends never seem to notice that shit. Um, but these are like, these are from advice books from the 50s and 60s. Oh, goodness. Um, there's like, this kind of fits in with like the quote I fit uh, picked for the intro of this. Uh, don't fail to answer a man, and promptly when he addresses you, he may may feel slighted by the inattention. That's from How to Pick a Mate. And <laughs> inattention hurts a man's ego from She Knows How. And then there's also Don't Show Too Much Independence. It can be irritating, but dependence can be used to cater to a man's ego from Our... the book How to Fascinate Men. Oh, Oh my god! I know these are like hideous quotes, but I, I love this book just for the pain that it's inflicted on me. So maybe I do have some masochism in me. I, don't know. I actually want to read it now. I mean, honestly, you sold me on this book. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really fun book. I guess could be like, uh, what the actual fuck? It's but written by a kind of stuff author. like our parents were reading. You know, yeah. this is the advice that they were getting, and it was even more old school coming from their parents. Right. So, so I'm like. like the- the author's a feminist, and I mean, she completely roasts these ideas, but I just, I love how she's cataloged all of all of these quotes and advice, and there's, she also cataloged, uh, cataloged old advertisements that were for women that made women feel insecure about their bodies, and I mean, like, that oh, still totally happens now. Oh, I've seen some of those, now. yeah. Yeah, it, it totally happens now, but I, some of those older ads were on a different level, like, this author had a, a 1930s ad for Lysol douche. I didn't know that um, there was a Lysol douche at some point, but it was advertised. And oh my lord! They were basically be like, ladies, you know, don't don't be less than fresh on your wedding night because you know he'll notice. Yeah, you know, like put some Lysol down there and squirt it up your 
lady parts. Eh. No, thank you. I, I mean, honestly, I always lecture against douches in general. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 way you know and and men don't like to hear me talk about this but i like to inform them like that's why i picked a period quote um you know about how the woman's body works but it's a self-cleaning system like I people, like they're like oh i put soap in there i'm like you want a yeast infection because that's how you get yeast infections yeah you don't and clean in there it's not I, it I cleans think, itself <laughs> it, it does and i don't think like i don't think most younger women even use douches anymore which is a good thing for yeah, vaginal health like, and horrible. i know some like gender this is like maybe a little morbid but when i was doing um sexual assault advocacy and um met uh, victims in the emergency room and talked them through like forensic evidence collection process and basically my job was to kind of inform them like this is what will happen do you want to do this or not just so they were informed before anything was like pushed on them like make sure it was their decision to do the the forensic evidence collection or not do it. Um, but they always ask the forensic evidencing, they always ask the, you know, certain set of questions like, you know, did you douche? Did you shower? Did you do X, Y, Z? I, I rarely like occasionally some older women would douche, but never like never the 40 and younger set. I just don't think we were raised to think that was like a great idea. No, my mom was never the one that pushed that on me. So, like, when I I had friends in high school who were, you know, who did do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, their mothers must have told them to do it is, is the only thing I can think of. You know, like, yeah. where they felt, like, less than fresh, like, the commercials that were still playing, you know, then. And I'm just like, yeah. like, if there's a funny smell down there, you know, it, it, it's... Right. Um, something's going on, like, you get yeast infection, bacterial, mm-hmm. and go see a doctor, um, don't, yeah, don't douche. It's, put stuff in there. <laughs> it's not supposed yeah, to be like, Oh yeah. I, th- I think it must be like kind of a, a bad generational advising. Like, um, my mom, it, like she went to a private Christian school, but at one point she had a roommate who was just wildly promiscuous and she would like come back from like hooking up with some guy and she would douche with Coca-Cola. You know, I got a piece of advice from my mom's, uh, my mom had a friend, uh, that was older, mm-hmm. um, good, you know, probably 15 years older and I was over there just like uh visiting with my mom and she was telling me how she would douche with whiskey oh my god she's like but it and the way that now let me quote she said it puckers it up nice and tight I'm like I don't know if I need that in my life right I'm not gonna put whiskey in there I I don't doubt that it does but I don't think that's a good thing yeah like (laughs) You know, vaginas, wow. are, vaginas and like your it's different for everybody. You know, just like you know, we have we uh, Sean and I were talking about the effects of porn on mm-hmm. you know sort of grooming habits and how they've changed because now sort of the standard. Um, actually, let me segue actually into that because I was reading some of the reviews for this, which were all terrible on IMDb, uh, by the way. And one, one was a man who who called his re- review "Burn the Witch." And he was the only thing that he said that made any fucking sense besides how horrible this movie is and it's so stupid and doesn't make any sense. He said, and and my biggest complaint is like there's not enough bush in it because you know back in the in the 60s there would have been more bush. I'm like it was it didn't take place in the 60s. It actually yeah. takes place in modern day. Um, yeah. <laughs> like you clearly didn't watch the movie very well, did you? Right. The but, fact that they use cell phones says it is a contemporary 
piece. It's just that, uh, you know, for well, aesthetic reasons. You know, yeah. area of the story. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it looked gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it just. And another one was Anna Biller quoted uh, from somebody who had tweeted about the, the film. And they said that they'd never been so bored and horny at the same time. And I'm saying, <laughs> okay, clearly, and no offense, uh, these were both men. I, I know this for okay, a fact. Right. These were both men that said this. Um, but yeah, so that goes into like the grooming habits that we get forced on us. I get so angry that I'm kind of trained to have to shave my legs, my armpits, whatever, because I don't want to, I want to be like, you can't tell me what to do, but it's so ingrained in me that I feel disgusting when I don't. And I hate that we're trained that way. And the way that, that, uh, just, you know, pubic hair stuff has changed. Like we're supposed to be completely bald. And I'm like, that's a little, uh, some weird fetishes shit to me because uh it is, who, who it, doesn't have pubic hair children yeah and also i don't know when you look at current porn uh you know not not the more vintage stuff but more recent things it's like women's bodies and porn are sort of this amalgamation of prepubescent you know like in the pubic area like often they've had some kind of plastic surgery around their vulvas that make them look less mature and they're completely waxed and the labia they also also labia surgery because people feel like they're like their labia is exactly yeah so i mean there's there's that insanity so they have these kind of prepubescent looking pubic regions but then in many cases their breasts are full and shaped in a way that apparently mimics more like lactating uh women yeah. So you've got this weird mommy thing and this creepy child, you know, sort of almost borderline pedo thing going on at the same time with a lot of porn. So it's like, ew. Uh, yeah, completely, and it's you know, that, that men criticize women's naked bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't, you know, um, women who are just all natural, I, I've never had any work done or anything. Um, you know, they, they it's like they're always disappointed. There's always something different. They're like... Yeah. You know, because, like, I, I just, I have to tell people, like, I got bad news for you because, like, these porn stars with these tiny nipples and huge tits, that's not how it works out. Uh-huh. Um, big boobs, you got big nipples. <laughs> I have to wear yeah, right. bras because of it. Otherwise, I got made fun of in high school one day because I wore a regular bra and wouldn't have the padding, and it looked like I had high beams all day. And <laughs> I thought I was going to die. Oh, no. I was so embarrassed and I'm like so you know people are just kind of like disappointed when they see like natural breasts or whatever and it's like yeah, yeah they, they have a little sag because they're big or you know sm- you know the smaller breasted you know it's, it's just like you know these impossible standards and you know Sean's retort was well men have to worry about the size of their dicks I'm like well you got one problem I got about 20 you want to right you know right. what I mean? You're worried about dick size. Okay, I, I understand, but like, I got to worry about trying to be perfect in so many ways that I can't possibly achieve. Right. <laughs> you know. That's... Oh man. Um, yeah. On the on the topic of body appearance, so like the other book that I dug into before our episode of the, the Satanic Witch by Anton Lavey. Um, he was interesting. interesting. <laughs> Some interesting opinions about women's glamour and appearance. Yeah. Um, and, and I, some of it I can kind of get behind, but I mean, he still has like a very kind of, eh, he's like, yeah, we, we, I acknowledge that, you know, like men have these superficial standards about women. So instead of trying to rebel against them, just lean into them even harder, which I think is kind of like, 
definitely a lane strategy in this movie. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I do kind of like the fact he says, yeah, like, if you're a really ugly woman, just embrace the ugliness and exaggerate it even more. I'm like, wow, that's, like, some really interesting advice. <laughs> yeah, LeVay was embrace the ugliness guy. and focus your attention on cultivating a strong intellect and a strong personality, and that will intimidate people. <laughs> so it's like, well, that that's, like, a cool perspective, I guess. <laughs> but, but, when it, but then he says, well, if you are remotely attractive to men... Um, if you're remotely attractive to men, then you have to, um, you know, cultivate that to seduce men. Like, so it goes back to this heteronormative uh, thing that's just like, uh, he's like, well, he wanted to do the, do the blonde bombshell thing. There's a certain set of rules. And if you want to be more like a vampire, you know, with dark hair and red lips, and there's this set of rules to do that. So he's still playing into these very male fantasy archetypes. Um, but I, I do think that I, I did like his point on, um, the natural look versus the very painted makeup, you know, heavy look. He is very pro the painted look in most cases. He was like, why would you want to look natural? You want to be, you know, put yourself out there and have bold colors and that kind of thing. I know it's like Elaine's makeup in this movie. She goes for bold eye makeup, like blue, purple, green, um, it's just like stands out and you know those eyes yeah. you know she's got the false lashes I mean really everything about Elena's false yes yes um so I like that that's kind of the advice given in the satanic witch book so I, I and then it made me wonder like I I haven't read anything to confirm it but then I wondered if uh Anna Biller you know in her research on witchcraft if she ran across this book and, and put some of that type of advice in there some of the stuff that Elaine's, you know, Kevin High Priest says in his sex magic lecture at that burlesque club sounds very similar to stuff that's in this book. Yeah, and, you know, there's a difference um, when people say Satanism. I'm like, are you talking about Levian Satanism or mm-hmm. are you talking about, you know, because Levian Satanism wasn't really necessarily about Satan. It's all about, you know, kind of wretched excess and, you know, attention grabbing you know, mm-hmm. he had a PR guy. He developed it uh, with a PR guy that the Church of Satan that he founded. Um, Jane Mansfield was a member. I know, um, isn't that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and he had like you know special pink Satanist stuff for her. You know, and <laughs> you know like pictures right. of them together. I've been working on an article of, about the relationship between those two. But yeah, Levitian yeah. Satanism is this more kind of like almost like Dionysus type stuff, you know, yeah, a little just, Iron Brandish in, in the so, a social sense. Like I feel yeah, like he but, uses a lot of that type of philosophy. It's very much about the individual and independence, maybe to the point of selfishness, but um, you know, it, I, I do like his flair for the theatrical too. Unlike the, the type definitely. of Iron Brand philosophy used by some, uh, you know, Republicans and um, right-wing Christians. And also, if you're a Christian, I don't think you should be adopting any Ayn Rand shit. It just doesn't work with Christians. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, Uh, it doesn't. But it works really well with um, LeVay's type of Satanism. And I I do like his whole aesthetic in in some ways. He's definitely an interesting man. Yeah. You know, but when you think about LeVay and Satanism, it was really just all a publicity stunt, a farce, 
something to have fun with. And he just kind of made up his own rules. And that's really what the basis of his Satanism is. It's all yeah. about the self and, and the selfishness, like you said. And, you know, I could definitely see, you know, that she probably did read this material and pulled from it mm-hmm. um, for some influence in um, in the film. Um, she definitely did her homework. You know, a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, checks out. And, you know, I am very familiar with the tarot. And I did that three of swords popping up all the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, so I'm an air sign. I'm a Libra. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I've had the tarot passed down to me uh, by my mother, so I'm very well-versed in it, but <laughs> I'm the queen of swords. Uh, but I don't ever like swords showing up in my readings, because, like... I don't either. They're, they're, they don't ever... Like, I think there's one good sword card, um, but most of them are, like, you know, like the the man with all the, the stabs in the back, you know, that's a horrible yeah, the card. The ten of swords is rough. The ten of swords, Yeah. Um, Almost but, all of the swords are shit cards. Like, I've noticed that, too. And Yeah, they're horrible. And I'm like, why do I have to be the Queen of Swords? Because that's a little air right? I feel like the Queen of Swords isn't a bad card. Like, it shows that your like, communication is your strength and you're intellectual. Yes. I, I feel like as a court card, that's okay. But a, a lot of the, the numerical sword cards are just yeah. like, eh. Like, yeah, because- Ace is okay. Yeah. Um, you know, like there, there are a couple others that are kind of okay. Like I guess four of swords is kind of rest and recuperation. I mean, it's not a great card, but it's okay. But Six it's not of like, swords, you know, sort I of like, like if you go into like the cups where everything's fucking wonderful. Right. You know like, what I mean? Yeah. Most of the cup ones are fairly happy. They're like, there are a few negative ones, but not a lot. Um, I think six of swords was, I remember that if I remember correctly, that's like relatively okay. It, has to do with travel and it, it's like not a bad card, but I, for a while I had like five of swords turning up all the time in my reading. And that's like, there's gossip and backbiting and just Machiavellian shit and no one wins. Yep. And it was like, this is like the worst card to just keep having. And like seven of swords is like similarly bad, sort of the politics card. Yeah. Like Cause people talk things. about like, you know, when you see it in movies, you know, mm-hmm. usually like a movie aside from something like this, which is trying to actually get, you know, the meanings correct. Like, I don't like, I don't know, something like people understand the death card comes up or something, you know, Ooh, um, the like, I'm like the death card doesn't mean death. It means change. The real right. death card is in the swords. The actual right. death. Exactly. Yeah, like if you get, if you get like a 10 of swords and you were like, really fucked and i would also be more worried about the tower card, the tower. The card. i used to get the tower the tower was my main of existence i would always get the fucking tower and if you notice that's also one of the cards that elaine draws a lot yeah uh, i noticed when she turned over the tower i'm like uh-oh not the tower, <laughs> not the, tower. the first time i watched it, i was like oh the tower no no the beta right. that, that card is like magnetically drawn to me sometimes oh man um, yeah it's my life phases of life where like just certain cards come up repeatedly if you if you do readings like um after my shitty grad school experience for a while was the five of swords which did kind of fit that experience um and and then it you know became other things that weren't that bad but i was like what the fuck five of swords like that's like one of the worst cards in the whole fuck off get out like i don't want this drama just go away i guess i need to just um be a hermit and until this card goes away and not you know interact with people (laughs) but yeah i mean but what i i loved about you know the use of the three of swords in this film is even if you don't know your tarot you know what that means. You get the impression because yeah. uh, it it means exactly what the um 
you know, uh, the picture looks like. You know, we have this heart pierced yeah. with the three swords, and it yeah. means heartbreak, literally heartbreak, and betrayal. Very fucking clear symbol that like everyone can understand. And it also um, kind of, you know, it's like a little bit of uh, foreshadowing to the ending. Yes, I was going to say that too. So I like that she used the card that was very simplistic to get across because some of them like, you know, don't have like you, you, if she picked it up, you wouldn't understand completely what it meant. But that was so it was an easy symbology um, for anyone to understand, but those of us who know Tara are like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that tower card, and it doesn't even really super focus on that, but I noticed it. I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. Oof, right. It's not going to go well. <laughs> but no. um, I love how I came across this movie. Um, if you remember my obsession, once I found it last uh, last year we were when we were doing the podcast, um, it, when it came, first came on Shutter. And I was like, that looks really fucking cool. I'm going to watch it. And I did. And I just became obsessed. So, you know, I cosplayed. That was my Halloween costume was being Elaine. And ironically, uh, being Elaine, because she's so beautiful. That's why I wanted to, to do my version of her, because I gained all this weight. And I just, like, wanted to do a curvy representation of this beautiful, you know, person but, you know, I would never actually want to be Elaine. I was kind of obsessed with her, and that's the point. Uh-huh. I, I got obsessed with how she looked and her coolness because I'm, like, the most uncool person. I so like, my emotions on my sleeve, you know, like a little chihuahua <laughs> sometimes or whatever. Like, I'm not like that. So it was kind of fun to cosplay and, and play that role, but I don't – I would never want to be like that. And unfortunately, yeah. when I was in high school um, – due to my asexuality like it was like i i felt uh, i had an elaine period of my <laughs> life um in high school you know i was attractive or whatever i don't know i look back and i i see as a skinny person or whatever but you know like i just i had a nice body everybody wanted to date me but i didn't want to date people and i date a guy and he tried to hold my hand and between classes and i'm like instant breakup you can't touch me so I got yep. the nickname of the Ice Queen, the Ice Princess, uh, mm-hmm. the Frigid Bitch. Um, it gets meaner, but, you know, um, so I wouldn't date. And then when I did date, it was like, I got to marry this guy. And I was like, I don't want I'm not to get married. You know, yeah. so it's not a I relate to that, too. Like, I am definitely on the, the asexuality spectrum. And, like, often, like, my peak repulsion with guys is when they they tried to make any kind of move on me whether it's hand holding or kissing or anything like that it was just like instantly like no yeah and you know what's funny is and i talk about this like my asexuality it was so strong like i wanted to feel sexy and beautiful but that doesn't mean sex exactly like yeah at the time i think i was probably like confusing the hell out of people and, and in college like oh, it, it just i was confused people and made them call me mean names yeah i um when i like in my late teens i discovered hot topic which is like embarrassing to say now but they had like the coolest goth and fetish they stuff did. back, back then. then they were actually a goth punk place yeah before they became more like culture nerd you know stuff which i mean not there's nothing wrong with that but i really liked the the goth and punk vibe that it used to have in the late I, 90s I had early the thing, yeah <laughs> you know early 2000s but 
yeah, I, I used to get all my clothes from there and I would go to campus like wearing corsets and like crazy platform boots and like fetish clothes and bondage yeah. clothes. That was just my normal everyday look. And I, I just wore because I felt really cool wearing that, but I didn't really want sexual attention because of that. I just like I just liked how I felt. And then when I would sometimes get comments from uh, guys, like I would rarely get any kind of come ons from lesbians, but from guys, it was always like, oh, what the hell? Why are you talking to me? Like, just fuck off already. <laughs> I just like instantly hated them just for even noticing <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and for me, it was because, you know, like, I had this this cloak of popularity, and, you know, I was pretty, I was a cheerleader, whatever, you know, and I, I quit that shit pretty quick, though, because uh, they, were, they were mean, and I just didn't want to be yeah. part of that, I didn't want to be associated, I want to see, well, I never really fit into a group, and, and it's in high school that we learned to sort ourselves in the group, since where I, I bring in my sociology here, but, and, and we go on from the rest of our lives sorting into groups and hierarchies, but I never really wanted to fit in anywhere. But um, so like once I broke it off with my fiance, I was 18. I uh, I just was like, what's wrong with me? And, you know, because because lesbians did love me. I was mm-hmm. I was very feminine. I was very whatever. But I just I was like, maybe I'm gay. I had a girlfriend that didn't work out either. Same emotion. So I mm-hmm. went through conversion therapy to make me oh, want to have that's... sex with men. Wow. And, and it, it, it's brutal. It's brutal. They put me on, like, pills. I was just, just going to ask, like, libido. They, I had to go through, like, hypnosis and uh, a lot of horrible things. I mean, I, I guess it worked. I reproduced. I did my job, you know, but, and I wouldn't trade my kids for anything, but, like, ugh. Like, I just, and people are like, well, how can you be queer if you're in a heterosexual marriage? I'm like, well, how can I be a feminist if I'm a domestic? Maybe right. you don't have to set these boundaries like yeah i'm happy in my heterosexual marriage but that doesn't make me not queer yeah it doesn't have to be either or yeah but people are so Mm -hmm. ingrained in that 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 thinking you know it doesn't have to be sorted neatly it just is what it is and uh you know when i hear about people going through conversion therapy i there are people who had it way worse than me but, wow. you know, my mom wanted grandkids. My my brothers were gay. It was clearly my job to provide the grandkids. Yeah. I was, I, I, I kind of want to ask, like, what was involved with conversion therapy? Like, I know there are different uh, horrible variations of it. Well, but... I went to the doctor first, and I explained, because I didn't know where to start. I was in therapy, and I've been in therapy since I was 15, you know, because of just trauma issues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm from my um my youth but uh I didn't think to ask my therapist or psychiatrist I went to the doctor and I'm like what's wrong with me is there something like wrong because I'm like I don't want to have sex with girls and I don't want to have sex with guys I'm Mm. like when I do have sex with guys I it hurts or I'm bored or it's just horrible and I feel disgusting and I hate myself and they're like oh well you know you're just frigid that's literally what they 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 use that term still and that was I you know, in the, in the 90s, and that they literally, that's a medical term that they were still using mm-hmm. in the 90s. So they said, uh, you know, they, they spoke with my therapist, and they had me referred to a sex therapist. And I had to talk about my issues and what made me uncomfortable. And they prescribed me um, hormones and different things to increase my libido, to make me want to have sex. And 
you know, encouraged me to have sex and then I had to go through hypnosis and try to push away anything that made sex, you know, gross to me. And it was, it was really awful. It, it didn't work. It just made me feel like a shit person. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it didn't work. I mean, I did, I felt like I was doing my job. I was punching a clock in these, you know, my three evil exes, as I call them, um, those relationships, <laughs> the third one being my first marriage. Um, Mm. I don't have a huge history because I just really like I wanted people to to like me. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to love, but mm. I it always involved sex and that just freaked me out too bad. And but you know, it wasn't until my my 30s when when um my early 30s when Sean and I reconnected, um I realized he was that person. And with asexuals, <laughs> um they can become demisexual on the mm-hmm. spectrum when they find that one person when they have a very very deep connection with somebody right. then they can want to have sex and it's like it took me some my 30s to actually figure out sex <laughs> and mm-hmm. i had two kids by then you know but it, it was a horrible thing and it just really damaged me um in a place where i didn't need more damage yeah you know, i felt like it was my need to to go out and reproduce and please men and you know obviously i was straight and just you know confused and they needed to straighten me out and it was just really horrible they give you it, medication involved you know oh, to make you geez. want to have sex and i'm like i it didn't work for me yeah like, talk about awful. faking it i was really good at that and you th- i hear about news stories of mike pence endorsing conversion therapy and it's, and- it's just it you got to keep in mind, he was governor here when um, gay, no. <laughs> gay marriage was, uh, yeah, he was governor of Indiana when gay marriage was legalized by the Supreme Court. And so my brothers, who are both gay, uh, one lives in Japan. He just recently got married. But my other brother had been with his uh, partner for God since high school. So, um, you know, and this is fairly recent. You know, I don't know how long ago. Is that like 2013 maybe that they legalized? gay marriage or something like that mm-hmm. but so they run down to the courthouse get married they're on the news the next day mike pence says it's not legal in indiana and i'm like who the fuck do you think you are that you're better than a supreme court motherfucker and of course they right. overturned him and then when you know trump was running i was already against it but then mike pence i'm like oh no god it's like <laughs> satan and satan's little helper <laughs> yeah, sorry right. to get political but i'm just saying like yeah. you know, he endorses conversion therapy and um I don't know anyone else personally who's been through it, but I know what I went through um, oh, because I wasn't, you know, um, I can't say that I'm straight or I'm gay because I'm neither. I mm. I could, my person could have easily have been a woman. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. You know, yeah. it could have easily have been a woman. It just was, it's the person. And I guess that's the pansexual thing, I guess. But for mm-hmm. me, there was no sexuality to it. It was just, it didn't matter. You know, and then mm-hmm. that's and that's how it is, you know. Um, so it's like, yeah, you know, I'm a domestic, but I'm a feminist. I am in a hetero marriage, but I'm not straight. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's all these things. But you know, we see Elaine trying to fight to like figure out, like she doesn't know who she is. Where we talked about that a little bit in American Psycho. Yeah. So she's adopting these her personality from things that people are telling her are the right things to mm-hmm. do. And apply the expert. Them. Yeah, the experts. Oh, this is what men want. So you have to give them everything that they want. This mm-hmm. antiquated bullshit, you know, where we have Trish. And honestly, let's speak about Trish for a second. Mm-hmm. The only real relationship in this film is Trish and Elaine. Yeah. And 
Absolutely. <laughs> that moment that Trish goes into, you know, when Elaine's not there. <laughs> yeah. And tries on and her wig and her eyeshadow yeah. and everything. And, I mean, Sean was kind of a little taken aback by that. I'm like, that's actually not that weird. Uh-huh. Because women, um, God, women are complicated. Because, you know. <laughs> There, there are women like me, but in the we're in the minority. Whereas, like I, I appreciate women. I love the company of women. Mm-hmm. I like girl power. I just love the feminine energy. I like. I, I wish I had more friends that are girls. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but being into shit I'm into, it's a little hard to find. So I know what you mean. Thankful for you. <laughs> but, right. um, but you know. Um, but with women, women um, on the majority, and this is egged on by the, the societal stuff, and I think Mean Girls actually captured it very, very well. Mm-hmm. And it was based on a nonfiction book. Um, but, you know, girls can be very mean, very competitive towards each other. Mm-hmm. And, but in the same way, they're secretly, like, envious. So it would it would not be weird. Like, uh, you know, some of my girlfriends, like, they'd leave the room, and I'm, like, looking through their journals, you know, like, <laughs> Because there's something, you know, we see in our our girlfriends that, you know, that we love and we want to be that we want to have that, you know. And I mean, Mm -hmm. even if you go back to like All About Eve, which is a very feminist movie um, with Betty Davis and stuff like that, you know, this is a bunch of emulation of women they admire. (laughs) But, you know, um, so I didn't think it was that weird. But Sean, you know, Sean freaked out the tampon part, you know, Sean freaked out, you know, because most men. When you start talking about periods or you get into a serious relationship and you're a live-in and they see your period yeah. underwear yeah. because you had that yeah. special pair of a couple pairs of underwear that you bled in already and you couldn't get the blood out and so is your period <laughs> underwear, you know, uh-huh. they're just like, yeah. ew, what the fuck? And I'm like, I have to look at this shit all the time. It doesn't even phase me. Right. Why is this gross to you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get that. Or like that. these foreign concepts of women trying to, you know, emulate and impress each other. Or like, oh, she's yeah. so beautiful. I wouldn't be like her. Like, they're like, what? So there, there's a book that's like the negative side of that. It's called Woman's Inhumanity to Woman by Phyllis Chesler. And that's about, you know, as you can tell, women being shitty to other women, um, undercutting other women, sabotaging other women. So there is that side to it. And I have seen that. Um, I've seen that more with uh, when in workplaces where I've, encountered boomer women i've seen that a lot more with boomer women and maybe i think it's because they had to kind of fight to to excel in the workplace they're not going to give up that place that that spot they don't don't want younger women to take their spot like it was really hard for them to get there there's kind of a tokenism thing with them um yeah but and it's still shitty I, I can I can kind of get it, but it's like it's still crap. Um, on the more positive side, I I I know you saw the the Shutter Valentine's Day special with Joe Bob Briggs. Yes. Um, and I recommend that to everyone. Like I don't want to repeat everything they talked about, but um, they they had Anna Biller on as a guest, and she talked about kind of this female gaze concept in the film. That yes. Um, that you know like you're not like women aren't necessarily looking at other women as an object of lust like men would, but it might be like, you know, this is a woman I would like to be like, yeah, I'd like to be her. Or even this could be a, a woman who had a certain relationship, like a mother or, you know, or something like that. So it's, it's more complicated than just 
the typical male gaze, hetero male gaze, where it's like, yeah, I just want to have sex with this woman. There's a lot yeah, more going really on. Objectifying them. And you, know. you, you do see that come through with that, um, like, well, the, the whole film, but even that, that scene that has the striptease and the burlesque club. Uh, where they're they're talking about sex magic and they show the the one woman on stage doing the strip tease and she has tassels and she's shaking yeah. everything. <laughs> and they're talking about like women embracing their sexuality and being being goddesses and you know like this this kind of thing. It was interesting lecture paired with that performance uh, piece, but you, you'd see that come through there. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, you know, definitely uh, the third wave feminism where it's like, <laughs> you know, for me, like, um, I'm very involved in like, I, I love doing makeup artistry and, 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 you know, stuff like that. But I don't, I've never, ever, I've been into makeup since I was very young. And I, I did it out of necessity because I had really oily skin. I still do. And that's what keeps me so young looking. People are like, how do you do it? I'm like, it's really oily skin, honestly. <laughs> I smoke like a chimney. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I had bad skin, so I had to learn how to cover it up. Mm-hmm. And so I learned all the hard way, all these makeup tips. There was no YouTube or internet or anything. I was just figuring shit out, trying things. And so it became like sort of a Zen thing for me. And also like you have this end result, you know, this, this, this look, this piece of art, you know, not like I think I'm gorgeous or anything like that. I just enjoy the process. I enjoy doing it and I don't do it for attention from men. Or really, yeah. it's from anybody. I do it because I feel good about myself. Exactly. Yeah, I, I've really embraced makeup that way, too. Like, um, I used to be really heavy into makeup, like, in my late teens and early 20s. And then um, when I got more into martial arts, where it just wasn't practical to wear makeup, or some of the jobs I had that were just, like, difficult, like, physically difficult shit jobs, where I was, like, hauling bodies around the middle of the night. It's like, I'm not going to put on makeup for that. I'm just yeah. not... Yeah, I feel that. I'm gonna be clean and you know pull my hair back, but I'm not gonna put on makeup for that. You best kind of bet thing. when my kids were little, no makeup was really going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's but you know, like now that I'm not doing that kind of work, um, yeah, I'm embracing having fun with makeup again, and I I feel like it's just like a form of self-expression. Exactly. And, and fun. It's not not really for any particular social gain or definitely not to trap, you know, catch a man or whatever. First traps as they call it. Yeah. And for me, you know, I feel this like, you know, I I wear a lot of low cut shirts. I've got good boobs. Mm -hmm. Um, that's just what I'm, you know, you play to your strengths. And I, like I said, I like feeling sexy, but it has nothing to do with sexual stuff. They're sexy and sexual are different things. So, yeah, I feel sexy. I feel powerful. But I, I've learned to start cropping my uh, my pictures mm-hmm. above my boobs because, I, you know, um, I get a lot of flack for it. Yeah. You know, I got the people yeah. who are just like, Good stop comments. me on the Internet about it. I either get that or I get the people saying, look at you trying to thirst trap and, and trying to get all these likes. I'm like, no. Oh, I get likes. Why would I post no makeup pictures all the time? Because I'm really big on skincare and I'm really proud of my skin. And like I said, I used to have bad skin and mm-hmm. I actually have a rare skin disease. Um, it's called BHG. Uh, runs in my family. It's, um, um, you can see it in my pictures, like at the end of my nose, it looks like a war, but it's like these tumors I have to cut out of my face and, and they have to biopsy every single one of them. Wow. It runs in the family. All the women have it. We just have to have them cut out. Um, I've had some work done on that. 
I have to have some more removed, but you know, so, but I'm proud of my skin. And so I post these and I make up selfies. So why would I try to leave those pictures up and then do all these glam photos and show right. my boobs, you know, like, what am I trying to, and I'm, I'm married. I'm not one of those people that's like, you know, I'm just saying that like, like I'm married, Mary, like I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is the long haul. I found my person. I'm good. Um, I'm not looking for any unwanted attention, you know, um, I'm not seeking anything. Cause, uh, I recently I posted on my Facebook profile and I had to take it down. Um, mm-hmm. somebody was uh, harassing me and, uh, it was the women that pissed me off. Yeah. Because I, they were I like, well, maybe you shouldn't put up a pretty picture of your face because you're enticing them. That was literally mm-hmm. like verbatim. And I'm like, how do you entice people with your face? It's your face. It's like, you know, it was, it's your profile. And thing. it wasn't even like normal, like your beauty makeup. It was me in like greens and blue turquoise lipstick and like blue lashes. I mean, it was like a weird off the wall look. Uh-huh. I mean, like, I don't understand, like. Like, they're like, well, maybe you should put up an ugly picture and people would leave you alone. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, the men, I, I, I mean, I'm not excusing them from this at all. Right, no. But the women should be on my team, at least, for a guy. They should be. And, I mean, I, I think I, I remember that particular thread. And I, it was so shitty what, like, some people posted. But I've noticed, like, I've been hit on by men like regardless of what I wore I've been hit on when wearing like sexy fetish stuff I used to love in college and I still love it I just don't you know wear it as much and I've been hit on like wearing very frumpy like professional clothes and pantsuits and it's just like yeah I think I could wear like a snowsuit where I'm like the Michelin man and I'd <laughs> still be it hit on yeah it doesn't really it doesn't matter right and I got, I got rude messages. Like even when I had like my, uh, my cat is my profile pic. It's just, you know, like we, we can't control what people are going to send to us by private message. It's ridiculous to say, Oh, it's because you showed your face. Like, what do you want? Sharia law or something? We're That's what I said. I said, I'll go get my burqa and start feeling and you know, will that make you happy? So I won't entice anybody. I'm like, I'm not trying, I don't need to entice people. I'm happy with my life. I don't need, I'm not looking for adoration or attention. I I like to use my voice. I use it a lot. I didn't talk all the goddamn time, but, and I always (laughs) have something to say, but you know that uh, I took it down and I said, in silencing me, you are silencing your mothers, your sisters, your daughters, your wives, every female that you know, and the females Mm -hmm. that do it, you're the worst. You are yeah. absolutely the worst, you you know, and I'm just, you know, I was, I was really unhappy about it. Um, you know, we can't, we're always, we're always the bad people. The women are always the evil ones. We entice the men. Yeah, right. We're, we are the gatekeepers. And, you know, if, if there's, you know, something wrong, well, there was this terrible meme going around, like, you know, why is it that, you know, men are studs and women are sluts? Yeah, there was some, it was like some horrible incel meme thing. It was like, oh, God. oh well, if there's a key that opens many locks. It's a master key. But if there's a lock opened by many keys, it's a shitty lock. So it's this whole women are gatekeepers oh, thing. I know. I, my I, Lord. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I myself, you know, if I support, 
you know, you know, my, my daughters are of adult age and I know that they're having sex. I mean, I give them good advice and I'm just like, you know, experiment, figure out what you like, you know, be safe. That's the important thing. But, you know, um, don't let, you know, this whole like slut whore, these old fashioned ideas that were bullshit to begin with, um, hold you back. Like you need to be you. And if you want to, you know, go out and try out some sex, do it safely, but do it. Um, Mm -hmm. and don't worry about what people call you because, you know, it's still crazy that in this day and age that women are, are called these, are called sluts, you know, they have the same sexual desires that men do. Right. Yeah. And a man's supposed to have all the experience. I mean, I, I, I can't remember all the, the specific quotes, but it, someone compiled a bunch of tweets by right-wing conservative men. And like someone said, like, right-wing men are really telling on themselves. I don't, of course, I don't think it's true of all right, right-wing right men, but they, they, the people tweeting, the guys tweeting were like, well, I've never encountered a heterosexual woman who enjoyed sex. <laughs> They're saying things like um, this. What does that say about <laughs> you? <laughs> You're not doing something right. See a bit of projection there. And someone, some other douchebag guy who said, if you spend more than, you know, two minutes um, having sex, which is enough to impregnate a woman, and you're worried at all about her pleasure or orgasm, that's just socialism and degeneracy and decadence. What does that have to fucking do with socialism? I'd like to know. (laughs) It has nothing to do with political movement. It has nothing to do with sex. I know. It's like, well, that's like a really wordy way of saying you can't fuck right. Yeah, that means you're bad. (laughs) Your your bedroom game is shit. (laughs) If you're bad enough that she's not even going to put the effort in to fake it, you're really, really bad. Yeah, right. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, it's, but you know, I, I like the quote that you picked to open up that, you know, men are fragile. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these incel types, they are fragile. They are very fragile. Yeah, like, and I, I wish that weren't true anymore. But I do see a lot of these these men who are like, you know, like you can't say anything to them. They get very threatened. Like you can't be honest or open with them. And I mean, especially you know, like you know, we're both very educated, and it's like. You can't discuss anything intellectual with them. They think you're one-upping them. It's just, it's just bullshit. <laughs> and you can't talk about things that don't interest them. And I mean, it just gets so yeah. like antiquated. Well, then if you do talk about things that interest them, like, you know, not me, but you know, like, say if a woman's into video games, which I, it's not really my area, but that that was me are, then fun to land in games. That you like that. I had to prove it every day, and I actually, I worked at Funkaland, and then I worked through the transition into GameStop, and by that time, I was the store manager, Mm. and, um, you know, because I I just kind of stuck with retail work at that time, you know, I wasn't, I didn't want child support, so I was supporting my daughter, and that was the best paying job I could get, Um, so I stayed with it, but um, I don't think they pay as well as they used to, but, um, so I was the only female that worked there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had maybe one of the guys I was actually friends with. And he, one night, he and I were working a shift, and he was like, you know, and the rest of the guys, when you're not here, they just talk about your tits and your ass. I'm like, that's fantastic. Oh, and, but then, you know, people would come in, and we had to be a quota of, like, reserves. And um, 
you know, it was either I was using my boobs to get reserves or they would come and be like, um, I need to look for like, a okay, let's say Final Fantasy 10 or something. Yeah. And, um, they're like, well, you know, can you find me somebody who can tell me about this game? I'm like, well, I can tell you about it. And I might go on my spiel and they're like, no, 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 no. I need to talk to a guy. And I'm like, they're just going to send you back to me. And they're like, well, can I talk to the store manager? I said, hold on, I'll get them. And I just would turn in a circle and be like, how can I help you? You can't read, (laughs) obviously, because it says store manager. But the guys would be like, oh, Candy knows because she plays that game. You should probably talk to her. I mean, they're they're the gatekeepers, man. They're they're like the old guard. I I had to prove myself all the time. Yeah, like. I work for a craft beer company. I love craft beer myself, but it's like some guys just like think you're only pretending to be in a craft beer to pick up guys. <laughs> it's like, really? Yes. Like the video game. It's exactly the same as that one. Or women oh. who are into comic books. Um, mm-hmm. The same with uh, horror. I actually wrote an article yeah. about that. Um, I called it the proving grounds, um, you know, <laughs> because I've been a horror fan my entire life. My mom's a horror fan. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. the one that got me into horror, like, with Romero when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, always having, they would be like, okay, so who's your favorite uh, slasher? Who, you know, what's your favorite? Um, this, you know, like, asking me questions, like, do you quiz guys on this? Or do you just accept it? You probably right. go, oh, you're into horror? That's cool. Like, why do I have to tell you all this? And, and you know, you have to check it off on your little imaginary yeah. card so I can pass the test. It's one thing if they, they literally ask every person they meet, like, oh, what are your top five favorite horror films? Yeah, or whatever. But it does seem like, yeah, sometimes they're really seeing if you have the chops for it. And, and I find that, like, I have a hard time picking, you know, top anything. But oh, me too. I always have, like, 30 favorite. in this top one slot that yeah. I can't decide between, like, maybe 15 for number two. Like, oh, I'm that way, too. But it's, I, like, the yeah, films I take so depraved that like either my guy friends haven't seen it or when they see it they're like I'm really uncomfortable with this film and I'm not <laughs> sure that I should watch it I introduced one of my uh, former grad school forensic science classmates I mean he's like he's seen shit and he worked as a cop for years and he worked at, at the like local psychiatric hospital as a uh, tech for years but he <laughs> showed him like some of my favorite films he's like i'm really uncomfortable with these films <laughs> <laughs> and see but but see that's another thing is like okay so you passed the horror test yeah. so but if you like anything like oh of course you like night living dead who hasn't seen night living dead like you can't like what you like and that like, is like my motto and i always i've taught that to my kids since they were little like what you like and who gives mm-hmm. a fuck what anybody else has to say about it. You like what you like. And I love Night Living Dead. And, mm-hmm. oh, okay, so everybody's fucking seeing it doesn't make me like it less. It mm-hmm. means something to me. It's important to me. And right. But, you know, I can bust out some, like, Night of the Demon shit on them. And they're like, don't even know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, see? Right. See? Yeah, like, like a lot of people now have seen Evil Dead. Like, it will still probably be in my top five horror films ever. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in there for me. Yeah, I got like about twenty. It is hard for me to rank anything, but yeah, it's like. Yeah, but and, and it, gets, it gets to the whole like it's it's mainstream, so you can't like it. Mm-hmm. Or, right. you know, did your your brother or father or boyfriend or some male person show you this film? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my god, now we can't figure out you know what we like right. without the man like, telling us. 
Right, like you couldn't have just discovered this based on your own research or your own trip to the video store and just... But girls don't like that stuff. Just like, you know, it's like I have to face a lot of shit when I say something like I love Bram Stoker's Dracula. Well, of course you like it. You're a girl. I'm like, what does that fucking mean? I I mean, it's a romantic movie, but it's also a really fucked up movie. Yeah, it's it's fucking vampires. I mean, they're like, well, you know, real man, like John Carpenter's vampires. I'm like, that's fantastic for you. I'm so happy. That's great. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) And this is like present day stuff. You know, I'm in my, like I said, I'm 41. I I still have to deal with this, but, you know, that kind of that that pushed me and that sort of secret female anger where we're like you know i know you know what i'm talking about where i'm like i'm gonna do a fucking horror podcast yeah Yeah, right find out how much i know bitch fuck around and find out yeah yeah (laughs) it's true because we have to if we don't if we don't fight back in some way sometimes you just get buried. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah. I'm the final girl for a reason. Not that I don't stay buried. <laughs> right. I right. too goddamn hard. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, guys, see, it's so interesting that, that this one film that so many people wrote off as like a rip off of 60s films, which it wasn't at all. She just liked no. the style um, of and the colors, and she unfortunately has said on her next uh screenplay that she's working on um her next uh project that she doesn't want to do that like because she did it in viva as well i guess mm. um i haven't seen viva yet but i'm going to fix that this weekend yeah but, i wanted the day but i didn't get a chance to yeah so but i guess she said she doesn't want to do that now because that's all people want to talk about is her production values yeah. and her sets and and you know she made every stitch of clothing and in the love witch on a village mm-hmm. you know and i'm like damn like she literally did everything she scored it she edited it she wrote it she directed it you know like she's amazing and she acted in yeah and Personal viva oh yeah I, I saw the trailer for that earlier today and i'm i'm going to rent it i one reason that i'm interested in that film other than i like i would like to see her other work as a grad student i did this big longitudinal quantitative study about porn magazines i bet that was interesting hustler i can't remember if i told you this um no i don't think so i i did this massive grant funded study that had like over 200 variables and it was a nightmare to put in a spreadsheet but i did it and um I, I had a partner and then he bailed out partway through and I ended up taking up part of his stuff. The partner was a professor, whole other shit show story. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, uh, so we, we looked at cartoons, covers and pictorials was the study. So basically the visual things that people would look at if they're looking at Playboy, Penthouse and Hustler, like we're not going to pay attention to the articles, the political stories, whatever. The curve on masterpieces. <laughs> and as far as cartoons, like if they had like a purely p- political cartoon, for instance, did not count. Had to have some element of sexuality in it or we wouldn't look at it. So we like would look at like changes and trends of like, well, this this particular fetish or paraphilia is popular in this era and, you know, 
or maybe not some other era. Um, those like 1960s uh, with Playboy, like even some of the late 50s cartoons into the 70s were like fucking disgusting. So when like I heard that Anna Biller did a movie just based around these sort of like 60s Playboy cartoons, I'm like, holy shit, I have to watch this. Like, yeah. I, I was actually more insulted by Playboy stuff than even Hustler. And Hustler was a pretty gross magazine yeah, back. Hustler it, was pretty uh, trashy. It was very raw. And it was like offensive, but Playboy, uh, in some ways, I feel like it was more sexist even. Uh, yeah. Just portrayed women as like sort of these dumb children that you could dupe into having sex with or. And there were a lot, just like disgusting rape scenarios that were portrayed as being fun and sexy and not as rape. Whereas at least if Hustler had rape cartoons, it was clearly rape. Like that's the only thing I can say about that. But um, so it's like, okay, I I really want to watch this movie now just because I, I suffered through like losing IQ points from looking at all these old porn magazines and making like... (laughs) <laughs> checklist for each and every cartoon pictorial or cover of these fucking magazines and then putting them into a spreadsheet and like I, for a while I had arthritis in my thumb from hitting the tab button <laughs> oh god i can imagine it, yeah it, yeah it was just ugh. but i i'm kind of interested in seeing how she portrays that like what would it be like if these things really happen in real life the, the the horny boss harassing the secretary like all these other scenarios it's like okay i want to see this knowing that it's based on these playboy cartoons and from you know the feminist standpoint because she is very vehemently you know she proclaims you know how strong of a feminist she is Mm -hmm. and so you know it comes from a very specific viewpoint Mm -hmm. um it's it's a neat thing to to make art from you know from that place Absolutely. You know, I try to uh, do it in my own way, you know, and in my writing and and stuff like that. Um, and sometimes it's it's come it comes from a place of frustration and anger, you mm-hmm. know, at, at this this bullshit because you just get so sick of it at a point. And you know, and then when you add into that, uh, you know, the female on female attacks, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it just it's enough to to make you go crazy so i just try to funnel that into art so i understand where she's coming from you know or or into some sort of i'm creating something because i am an author um so i I just write um (laughs) a lot of people on our podcast write screenplays um now i i have all the training to be an editor um but you know i much more prefer because i'm really good at like grammar syntax you know that's like my thing um I, I did a lot of study on that, but because um, I was one of those English majors, um, right. that's why I got my scholarship just, for. Yeah, useless fucking degree, unless you want to be a teacher or something. But I didn't. I just wanted to write, but I couldn't major in creative writing. This is like a little ironic. So like I did a dual major in English and pre med. Like I loved literature and writing, so that's why I wanted to do the English part. And like part of my English major at, at the university I studied at, they rolled in film studies as part of English for some reason. Oh, that would have been cool. <laughs> um, which, yeah, I, 
and like people, like I actually think the film theory professors were like more hard ass than the actual English teachers or conventional English teachers. Like they were That's the ones pretty hard were, to like, do. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> this English is not an easy get class. Really uptight. They put in the syllabus, this is not easy class. This is not like you are not watching popcorn movies. You you have to write papers of ten pages. You know per paper and you know yeah you can't do online resources you have to go to the actual library and get fucking books they didn't put fucking in the syllabus but that's the idea <laughs> so you have to go yeah. to the film theory section and get books about this and you know write about you know, I have to do like these you know three major papers per semester plus shorter weekly papers so um, interestingly, by the time I graduated, the film uh, theory, you know, film studies de- sub department was more robust than the regular English department in terms of what they required of their students. Um, by, by, I guess after I graduated, there were a lot of film, uh, not film, but uh, English professors, regular English professors who were accepting collages in, in place of papers. And it's like, no, fuck no, that. That no, is no. stupid. You know, and what's uh, interesting, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, but I was going to say, like, um, I just find it ironic that I thought, okay, I'm going to, like, dual major and I'm going to do hard science stuff because that will be the key to an actual, like, career. Yeah. Uh, and I got my master's degree in forensic science. Uh, like, those things actually did not lead to a career. It's actually been my love of horror films that, uh, and, like, stuff I was really passionate about in that way that, led to the professional connections I have now and working, you know, for instance, for Andrew Devoff at Three Marm Brewing. Um, it, it was not like the hard science stuff that I was supposed to do. Yeah, for me, it was such a struggle because uh, the only thing that I was passionate about was English and, and languages in general. I mean, I'm fluent in Spanish. I took 12 years of Spanish. Wow. Wow. I have have like what's called the gifted child syndrome. I starting from kindergarten, I was a gifted child. So Mm -hmm. all the way up and through college, I was in the advanced gifted. I would test out of classes. And so it's like I was and a a lot of people to this very day because of my personality uh, and changing from being um, from my blonde has helped a little bit. But people are like this bubbly, you know, super valley girl person cannot possibly have, you know, all this brain power. But I'm like, I do. But, you know, writing papers was so easy for me. Like, I loved when we had essay questions. I'm like, awesome. I'm definitely getting an A. Like, I can write a fucking paper. I can write an essay. That's like a skill that I have. I could just bang that shit out. And it sounds really good. Um, But when you're talking about something like uh, English, you know, um, my problem with English is I wanted to major in creative writing at the time that it was not available. I went to IU. Um, um, Butler wanted me, um, but there's something that happened in my life at that time that I turned down that scholarship because uh, I actually started college when I was still in high school um, through Butler, uh, but I ended up going to IU. But uh, so, you know, it's, it's always when you talk about literature, when you talk about film, and here's where they tie together it's all about interpretation. But what pisses me off is that they grade you on interpretation and interpretation is something I always say on the show is we 
get out of something what we bring to it. So we, you're going to get, you know, you got 50 students in the class, you're going to get 50 different interpretations, but they're going to grade you on the one interpretation that they think is the real interpretation. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this guy's been dead for like 200 years. Um, I don't think he fucking cares what color the curtains are. I really don't think that matters, but I'll make some shit up and you'll give me an A. You know? <laughs> and that's the thing is you, I, I, I got schooled to be a bullshit artist. So I can, I, you could give me a one sentence and I can write you a fucking paper. I can I'm, bullshit. I can stretch it out. That's my skill. It's a useless skill. I am like, I was raised to be, you know, as a gifted child, you were useless. You were ornamental. I was trained <laughs> in classical arts. Um, I won the, uh, the uh, classical art competitions, you know, uh, art history, uh, a couple of years in a row. I was, re- I won the Young Writers Award when I was 16 years old, which I was the youngest. Um, you know, I I was trained as a, you know, um, a classical singer. You know, played violin. Like, what the fuck mm-hmm. am I gonna? Do? Like, what do you do with that? <laughs> I have no practical skills except for grammar, and people hate when I fix their grammar. So I'm like. Yeah, no one likes that. <laughs> and nobody cares about my interpretation of the Canterbury Tales. Right. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was so fucking useless. And so people don't think I'm smart because I've learned that I bore people when I try to, when I show my education. So people are just kind of like, oh, there's Candy. She's fun. She likes horror movies. She's just fun. That's what people always use. I'm uh, fun. Oh. And I'm like, nobody ever yeah. gives me any credit for being smart. And I'm like, I'm actually really smart. Oh, so and that's I another gatekeeper thing. Uh, a ton of intelligent things to this podcast. I mean, holy hell, you have like so many great things to say about it. I appreciate it. I mean, you know, um, I love to have fun. Don't get me wrong. I am fun, but, uh, you know, it's just, I, I've kind of grown into that. Uh, cause I used to be a very, very serious person. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, to me, it, it just made me feel serious all the time. So I started having more fun. But in having more fun, plus the being blonde, so dyeing my hair black has, has been liberating. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I yeah. know, because you're blonde, blonde too. <laughs> People don't yeah, take you seriously when you're blonde. For a long time, yes. And I, one of my douchebag um, assistant professors told me, um, you know, you have to get rid of the whole blonde thing because people will not respect you, which was like kind of a douche thing for a guy to say. Yeah. Um, same guy repeatedly said the phrase moist, happy vaginas in class. Like, I don't know, 40 times or why something. is there a need for that? There was not really a need for that. Like, <laughs> you know, maybe the first would times would have been okay. Um, it went way over the top. So the topic was, um, like, if you're going to, it was related to, like, regional center stuff, like the, the psychiatric hospital where they were um, keeping repeat sex offenders and, and people at a risk to reoffend. Uh, basically testing, you know, like there was a certain se- sexual test for men versus one for women, and they would show them different pictures and see if, they had, you know, genital arousal based on seeing these images or these videos. And, like, for women, of course, they need a different test than, you know, for men. Basically, for men, they just have to see if they're starting to get an erection from it. For women, they have to put probes up in their vagina to see Boy, and, you know, moisture and, and tests. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like, for women, if they're getting aroused or their vagina is going to get more moist. So I, he said the phrase moist, happy vaginas. And then said, well, if you're going to be in this field, you have to not react badly to that. 
So then he said that like dozens more times, and I'm like, okay, you made your point, dude. This is just starting Please to get stop weird now. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not actually bothered by the concept of moist, happy vaginas. I'm just bothered by the fact that you're saying it sure. 40 times. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I just, I don't, I don't thing. know. It, it, and, you know, all this, you know, it's funny how it seems like we're off topic, but we're not. Mm. We're I know, I'm still too, like, really we're off topic. Not. We weren't like exactly talking about the film, but we're talking about things that are related to the themes of the film. So I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> oh no, no, because I think really, you know, when we break this down to its essence, it is about all of these things. You know, about you know how in this day and age we still get you know uh, treated a certain way, mm-hmm. or there are certain expectations, you know. Um, expected of us uh, maybe our mothers didn't pass down um, the things that their mothers pass on to them but mm-hmm. you know still the residue is there mm-hmm. and and it's still it's still there and there are still some old school women out there who are our age you know because oh. their mothers did pass that down to them and it's just the school of thought and it's really all of that echoes in the character of Elaine Mm-hmm. So we're inside, it's like these dark, horrible things or, you know, things that she should deal with. But instead, she's cloaking herself and being a, a fantasy, being everything that man can want. Because then maybe somebody would love her because she clearly did not. She has some trauma and some issues from her past. And that was going to get her love. But mm-hmm. maybe that trauma from her past has damaged her in a way where she cannot accept love. She, yep. she automatically rejects it. I mean, it happens. I've. I, I've been in a similar situation um, where, you know, the idea of love was great, but then when it came down to it, I'm like, nah. Yeah, the reality and the concept are totally Yeah, you, gotta, you have to understand that that reality is never going to be that way. But It's like the fantasy of beach sex that. versus the reality of beach sex. Exactly, exactly. It could be from here to eternity or it could just be a bunch of sand in your pussy. Right. And, you know, that's what I think of when I see that. I'm like, oh, man, this, the beach. Oh, yeah. It's like, <sighs> and I'm not speaking from like firsthand sex experience on the beach because I've never done sex on the beach. But just from having fun at the beach on vacation and swimming and yes, I'm saying, sitting on the beach, the beach like, gets in your, your bathing suit. There's a bunch of sand in my pussy. Sure. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, right. And you know, and, and it's just like the unreality of shower sex. Yeah. <laughs> shower sex is the worst thing. Like, I don't understand how they, they try and pass that by us because like, you know, when okay, like not to be gross, but I'm sure you know this. Um, when you are in like a body of water or there's a lot of water involved, the the moisture that's there that's necessary to make the sex comfortable for the woman goes away. And it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> and so it's not sexy at all. I'm like, just let me do this by myself. I Come scrub my back if you want, but get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, I, also, like, with showers and bathtubs, it's slippery. Yes. So, like, all these movies where they're showing people standing up and doing stuff in the shower, it's, like, that's slippery stuff. It's 
I don't know. There's not a lot to grab onto realistically, but you know, like R-rated movies make it look great. It's just yeah. That, it's like no, don't try this at home, folks. It's good. really awful. Yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. Fantasy and the reality are totally yeah. Different. And see, as long as you can understand, you're like, okay, maybe I can fantasize about this, <laughs> but I have to have the realization and the acceptance that nuts not really like this, you know, because. <laughs> People, you know, they see my marriage and they're like, oh, you guys are really happy. I guess it's great. Yeah, it's great. But is it perfect? No. Um, you know, my perfect fucking fantasy. I'm a vampire or something. I don't know. I mean, something cool. Right. But, you know, like, I know that it's pretend. Um, I don't expect that out of reality. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I think I do pretty well for reality. But, you know, it's this disillusionment. Um, and it, it yeah, does I think damage to people. There are some fantasies that uh, can only stay as fantasies. Absolutely. Either they become completely shit in real life or they become illegal in real life or some of the two. So some things you just have to leave in your mind and then never take them out of that perfect zone. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And, you know, but... Like I was saying, you know, growing up in the 80s, you know, we I, I was a big Barbie fan because I like fashion. I like, you know, makeup. I like doing hair, you know, all that stuff. And how very feminine of me. But I just do. Um, but I don't like poofy dresses. I don't like to wear dresses at all. I, <laughs> I'm not a dress person. I'll wear them every once in a while. But, um, you know, it, it's just sort of like we were still trained, you know, Barbie, bridal Barbies, always the best selling Barbie, you know. And uh, my childhood best friend, when she got married, because uh, we were pregnant with our daughters at the same time, I completely broke it off with my abusive ex when I found out I was pregnant. But she she got married, and she had this big wedding, and I was in it wearing this horrible, she wanted to do maroon. And I'm like, are you trying to kill me? I mean, I look like shit in this. But um, she just told me afterwards, she said, we spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on all this. She's like, I'd much rather we got into the justice of the peace. I don't want the fucking dress. I don't want any of this shit. And that we took that money and just like went on vacation or something, you know, and I'm like, I took that to heart. Um, and I am married. I, I had a practice marriage as we call it. Um, Sean did too. We did. We went through that at the same time, really bad marriages. Wow. Yeah. And that was very short lived and in our youth. And then when we decided to get married, we didn't really, I, I my mom insisted I wear a dress cause we had the family over, but I wore black. <laughs> Because I'm just like that. I'm like, I'm not a dress person, but I'll wear black. She's like, oh, my God, Candy. You know, so it's like, but we're trying to, to you know, we want to have these big, you know, and you see these women that do it, like these fancy baby mm-hmm. announcement things and, you know, gender reveal parties. Those weren't even a thing when I had my kids. Yeah. My youngest is going to turn 14. So that wasn't even a thing. And then, um, you know, we have the big weddings and the bridal showers and all this shit. And we're supposed to be like, we're going to grow up and we're going to do all these things. And it's going to be so pretty. And we're going to wear pink and white lace. And I'm like, okay, so I'm into hair and makeup and all that shit, but I want like black. Um, yeah. What's the, maybe a little neon pink in there or something, you know, like I just was never that girl. <laughs> You know, but it, it's still like that's what all little girls are supposed to want to do. Grow up and be mommies and wives and, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, now in this day and age, you know, we, we have mo- almost every home is both parents work. And mm-hmm. women get the fact for that. Like, how could you leave your kids at daycare? It's like, well, we need the paycheck and um, I can still be a mom. It doesn't make me less of a mom. 
you know? Right. So when I had my son, I, I did quit working. I haven't worked since. That was when Blockbuster was still open. <laughs> um, but uh, I fainted, and I just had so many health problems. I just was like, nah, I'm going to sit this one out. But I did work while my daughter was little, and, you know, I that was the only paycheck because oh. I was a single mom, and I did not want the child support. I didn't seek it out. I just said, get the fuck out of my life. And he did, which was great. Um, I don't think I did too bad. And, you know, I have a co-parent now. Um, awesome. In, you know, with my son. But, you know, but I, I did get to stay home. And, and, you know, so, but it still wasn't like that every little girl's dream thing. Yeah, I like exactly. Cook. I, I'm a feeder. I, I like to be a hostess. I like to have people at my mm. house, and, you know, apply them with drinks and food. But that doesn't make me, like, like I'm giving in. I'm not under any illusions or presenting any illusions. I'm just being myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not because anyone told me to. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, realistically, those are all, like, good skills to have. They're human skills. They shouldn't yeah. be women's or men's skills. Like everyone should know how to prepare meals to make guests feel comfortable, keep a house clean, you know, cook clean, whatever. It's like, it's just bullshit that they, um, you know, that uh, historically and culturally that's like, Oh, that's like the woman's job to do that, that stuff. Yeah. And I got to tell you right now with my spinal injury, you know, there are a lot of men who would do enough to get by. You know, uh-huh. they won't let me. The first thing they banned me from was laundry. I enjoy laundry. I love the smell of clean laundry. I love folding it, putting away. And I, just, I, I enjoy the process. I like the process of cleaning because I feel a sense of accomplishment. So mm-hmm. they banned me from that. I can't vacuum. I can't sweep. I can't oh. mop. I can't do dishes. I can't load the dishwasher. I can't bend. I can't do anything. So Sean has, he, he works all day. He comes home. He caters to me. He vacuums way better than I do. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I mean, he's handling everything right now, and he is not one word of complaint. He does a great job. He doesn't do it half-assed. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like he doesn't feel threatened. His masculinity is not under fire. He's taking care of his wife, who's, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, crippled at the moment. So Mm -hmm. there's no – there was never a weird moment about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great. Uh, yeah, but he was raised by women. These like conventional gender role bullshit kind kind of things. Like I've known like a lot of men who are like excellent cooks, mm-hmm. excellent home decorators. Absolutely. Yeah. And then like, well, some people be like, oh, that's like a gay man thing. No, it's not. Like no. my friends <laughs> were like really great at that. Were like like totally straight as an arrow heterosexual man. It's like, don't, don't make this a gender thing or a sexual orientation thing. These are just like human skills that. My brothers are gay and they're still messy. I'm sorry. (laughs) They're messy. (laughs) Go to my brother's apartment. I'm like, Oh dear God. When was the last time you scrubbed your tub? Oh no. (laughs) I mean, it's just, he had, I mean, but I think some of that has to do with, uh, you know, what you were used to, and, you know, my brothers had my mom and I taking care of everything growing up. Mm-hmm. Right. And with Sean, you know, his dad wasn't really around, so he was raised by his mother and his grandmother, so I think he's a little bit more intuitive into, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things that were are generally classified as female. Yeah. But I wouldn't call them female things. They're just classified mm-hmm. that way. 
you know, mm-hmm. so he, he does a great job. So I can't complain at all. It's been nice. I, it makes me feel kind of useless, actually, because that's what I normally would be doing. But I get to sit around and it's like, oh, you have all this time to write. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like writing right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so I guess we got to sum up this film. And I think, honestly, um, this, even though we've, we've been talking about sub- other subjects, our own personal experiences, I still think it goes back to this film. And it's exactly what the essence of this film is. And I mm-hmm. think it's what Anna Biller was going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the realism and behind this absolutely. facade and how the facade never works. The fantasy isn't real. Yeah, absolutely. You're always going to be disappointed like Elena's. You're never going to be happy. Yeah, this is one of those rare films I can see over and over again and I don't get tired of it. Oh, yeah. I, most, every time most I watch movies, it, I find something else. Yeah, exactly. And like most movies, I do get tired of them after seeing it a few times. This one I can see repeatedly, and there's something new I, I notice, but I, I always enjoy it each time. Um, even the, the scenes that, you know, I noticed before, they don't get old. But no, it's just I mean, a really is, great, unique thing. Absolutely. And it's so beautiful to look at. And honestly, I, I just, I hope she doesn't stick to saying that she wants to do it differently, because the style is gorgeous to look at. And honestly, I think... Here I am going to throw some symbolism at you where I just talk shit about it. But the symbolism is this is a beautiful movie to look at, but it's mm-hmm. so dark and it, it is, definitely can be. It's definitely a horror film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to do my rating. Um, I'm going to have to give it 10 out of 10. Uh, three of Swords. I think I just think uh, everything is right about this film. The the character of Elaine, um, it, it, she's just so fascinating. Mm-hmm. You understand where Trish comes from when she when she sees the wig and, and like, of course, yeah, I want to try that. On. That's why I cosplay at her as her because she's she's gorgeous <laughs> to look at, but inside there's like nothing but mm-hmm. hurt and pain, and she presents this other thing, this beauty to us. Instead, mm-hmm. and, and wants to be what everybody else wants her to be, because then maybe somebody will accept her and love her. And I think we've all had a little bit of that at some point in our lives, to some degree, where we've done that, presented mm-hmm. something, because then if everybody else believes it, maybe I'll start to believe it, too, you know, kind of thing. So mm-hmm. there's not really much more I can say to, to, than that. I mean, it's just a perfect film. Yeah, I, I, I would also have to give it 10 out of 10 weird sex magic classes. <laughs> that works. I, <laughs> I the the visual style is amazing. Um, like it's just complete eye candy all the way through, and and then the emotional story hooks you even when the emotions are just incredibly fucked up. <laughs> yes. Just functional. Um, the the great occult research in this, um, even though interestingly the I was going to mention earlier the the professor the the expert on occultism calls uh, the winter solstice in bulk. That is not in bulk. In bulk is around February first. Winter solstice is Yule. But other than that, <laughs> I still have to like uh, a lot of other like uh, pretty much everything else I saw that was like occult or Wiccan related was like so well researched. 
and you know maybe that mistake was a mistake on purpose when it's done this well it's, it's hard to know yeah right it's like yeah this could be one of those things where like the expert misunderstood something uh but yeah i just i love every aspect of this film it's hard to even pin it down um mm. Like there's just something new that I notice every time. It's it's just so fun to watch and thought provoking, um, just gorgeous. So um, yeah, definitely ten out of ten for me. So this will make it our third perfect rating. Right. <laughs> and I I am very honored that it was you and I that got to do it, because I honestly <laughs> don't think it would have gotten the perfect score. Probably not. Probably not if we had like the guys here. And I think, and it's not to, and that's not me being sexist. I just think it's not their kind of film. Yeah. Although I would be interested in their input. You know, like they they may get totally different things out of it. So I would be interested in that. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't I mean, think they. I Sean and I watched you know our our stuff together. So mm-hmm. uh, he enjoyed the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the second time we, when we, because we had watched it previous, when we were watching it on Jova Post Bellidio, he was snoring. <laughs> oh so, no! I mean, and, and, and I don't think it's that you know against the film. I just think you know he he it, he doesn't get as much out of it as I do, but he does enjoy it, and he yeah. did really like the concept, and he he thought it was just visually arresting and all that stuff. So we did have high marks for it, but I I think like he's just not as riveted as I am to it, you know. Right. And to be fair, like when you're watching, um, you know, Joe Bob live on Shutter, sometimes it's hard to make it all the way through the second feature if you have to get up early the next this day. This is true because there's times where we'd like, like, uh, I remember, what, what was it, early in uh, season two of the of the Blood Sucking Freaks? Uh, uh, yeah. Like, we just couldn't make it. We were just like, I, I, I got to go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. That was like movie. going on forever, and we just had to go to bed. But So that could be it. But I know he does like the movie. Would he have given it 10 out of 10? I don't know that. Right, right. But as somebody who used to be a Wiccan, he does have, you know, you know, interest in, in this. Uh, okay, this so, so yeah, Sean was like a Wiccan. Uh, was he like in an actual coven, or like was he a solo? He was uh, solo. solo. Okay, yeah. But um, he knows a lot of uh, stuff about that, whereas I'm more of into, like, the mysticism of, uh, like, you know, like, tarot and, um, you know, precognition runs in my family, whether you believe mm-hmm. that or not. Like, that's just one of those things, like, I you do. either believe it or you don't. Um, it I does. Do. Uh, precognition runs in my family. So we're very much more into, like, that type of, like, uh, spiritual stuff. So, like, I, I commune with, you know, I align my spirit like so it's it's very new agey so I have that what I bring to it and you know my knowledge of tarot which you know um I'm really good with and things like that so you know it, we both kind of brought something to the table on that so yeah um but I know that he likes it I just I don't know what his rating would be I'm gonna have to ask him afterwards and let you know yeah <laughs> I, I'm in there I it would be cool if at some point we did uh, for those who are interested an episode just on occult stuff Oh, I think everybody would be into that um, because I know um, a little bit with Rob's family, they're very, very uh, religious, like yeah, like Catholic religious, um, uh-huh. which, you know, a, a part of my upbringing. Um, but uh, my mom was very new age, so I just kind of always got more into that stuff, the new age mm-hmm. spiritualism. 
um, and the different types of that, um, you know, and, and yeah, you know, spirit guides and all those things. But uh, but they're more of like they would they were scared. If you remember his tale when we were talking about Evil Dead, mm-hmm. and he had the Book of the Dead version, and they like hid it because they thought it was bringing demons into the house. And, <laughs> you know, to attract the bad spirits. Yeah. And I know that your upbringing uh, was a religious one as well. Yeah, yeah, very, very um, fundamentalist evangelical Protestant. So I cannot imagine. <laughs> I know it's like, um, yeah, I, I still, uh, yeah, I, I still like agree, you know, or, or really feel like the core tenets of Christianity, but like certain things with like Christian, like evangelical American culture is like kind of fucked up, and actually, yeah. Like, some of that's actually very anti-Christ like. <laughs> I love the teachings of Jesus. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's dude, like, but, you some know, of the stuff I, we're seeing now is like people who are calling themselves Christians are teaching things that are really opposite what Jesus taught, and they have real issues with that. And, they're and waving they're their Bibles around. I'm like, do you know that has pages that you can read, right? Right. <laughs> I know. Like, and then it's like you're getting this like ironic thing where. Like you see some of the activism of like um, the Satanic Temple and other groups like that, where they're being more Christ-like than what evangelical Christians are doing, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, really. Well, that yeah. was the moment that I started to question God. I mean, because my mom's yeah. family, they were Baptists, but I was uh, being raised in a Catholic household, and I went to Catholic school for a little bit, and uh, that didn't last long. And, and that's, you know, because I'm very honest with my kids and they when they started asking about God and I just said, hey, you know, they asked me what I believe. And I said, I'm an atheist. I've known since I was a little girl. When I saw the Baptists and the Catholics fighting, I knew that there was something wrong because it's supposed to be the same God. But, yeah, exactly. but, but I do live. Um, it's more of the humanist um, mm-hmm. movement. If you're familiar with that, that's where I fall. Uh, I believe in, in the teachings of, of Christ, like, you know, be good to your neighbor, like, just be a decent fucking person, but I just don't, I don't like religion. I just don't right. want to be part yeah. of it. I don't like organized religion myself or, you know, anything that, like, crystallizes, you know, things into this dogma, I, I don't yeah. like it. And I think, you know, relating to the movie, I think uh, Wicca does that, too, to some extent, like, um, yeah. If you interact with Wiccans, sometimes they will jump down your throat and be like, oh, the rule of three, you should not, not harm people, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah. Or yeah they'll, I don't, they'll I don't want to hear from any type of, this way I've never like let myself be part of organized religion. Yeah. Like I knew from, I, I like I told the kids, I was, I was about six years old when I knew um, that about myself, but it never, like I still feel at peace in the Catholic church when I go, if mm-hmm. I have to go there, you know, um, it's just like a peaceful place to me. Um, yeah. It's not because of like the presence of God. It's just, you know, just a nice mm-hmm. place to mm-hmm. be. And it makes me feel good. But, you know, um, but I'm not like anti-religion. I'm anti-psychos mm-hmm. um, yeah. or assholes, uh, yeah. but, you know, who use religion as a, a kind of way to to defend their assholism. <laughs> I don't like I, that. I, yeah, I've noticed that too. Like in my experience, the the Benedictine monks that I've interacted with are like some of the few people who've really, in my opinion, gotten Christianity right. Yeah. In, in terms of uh, you know 
living by the example that Jesus Christ set and that kind of thing. And uh, just, just in the way they treat people. And it's completely diametrically opposed to what I have experienced from a lot of evangelical Christians, especially like right wing evangelical Christians. It's a lot of your Baptists. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally, yeah. The Baptist thing, like, um, I guess I, I was, I was a little bit involved with the Baptist church in my late teens, early twenties, because my parents went to one of those churches and they were not hardcore Baptists. They still had some of those, you know, ideas. Like, so this was around the time that, um, you know, the early Obama administration that some of them literally thought Obama was the antichrist. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, that's ridiculous. Like he was my not- grandma didn't have dementia at that point. Um, she's been gone. It'll be three years this year. Um, but she had a very long, long battle with dementia. But mm-hmm. I think she would have been spouting the same shit, honestly. I mean, and it's just like, okay. Um, but, you know, I just learned to, like, turn the other cheek. See, I believe in that. Yeah. Right, right. I, I just try to be a nice person, and I, I feel like I succeeded that. And you don't have to put a label on that. And like I said, I don't, I don't like to group myself up with anybody because they might do something that I don't agree with. So I like to just go solo and just do what I think is right and be a good person. And I don't judge anybody for their beliefs. And they may be, like, really religious. Like, some, some people in our podcast are actually very religious. And I'm like, hey, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Just you know, uh, we'll just respect each other. You know, I have no problems with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where, but you know, some people can't respect that about me. Cause I was told I was going to hell. I'm like, if I don't believe in heaven, why would I believe in hell? You're not really threatening me too much there, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but do I think death is the end? No, yeah, I know better. It's like, you know, under religious preference, it's complicated. Yeah. It's complicated. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I do believe in the soul, but that's, that's a whole different conversation. Like, if we start talking soul. about cult, I will absolutely tell you um, of my talents and experiences. Um, they're very interesting. Or right, we can I just have that it. conversation uh, um, some other time, just me and you. Anyway, yeah. um, I've got some neat things to, to share. Um, so we're going we're gonna to wrap up. This has been so much fun. we got to do this again. Absolutely. Yeah. We need a break sometimes. <laughs> They'll probably be like, we need to do a different show without the women and we're like okay we'll just do our own then <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah but i'm so glad we it would that we get to talk about this film and um i definitely think we were equipped to talk about it so it worked out so great yes absolutely <laughs> yeah it's been so much fun and you take care and i will see you for critters right Yes, I will be there. Uh, Even though I die a little inside from rewatching. Well, I was about it. to say, like, uh, this is one they, that I was under duress. Yeah, I agree with Rob. The second one is better than the first one. But yeah. I've kind of blocked them mostly out of memory on purpose, but I, oh, what I do remember is not good. So maybe I just need a good revisit. It's been a long time. Maybe I've grown up and changed a little. You I don't won't. know. You probably still won't love it. I'm just going to say. I'm under no disillusionment about that. I just like, maybe I'll be a little kinder than I was. There there are some funny moments. Uh, And actually, I thought the second one had better moments than the first one. But yeah, we're we're descending into a little bit of uh, some of the 80s trash, which can be fun. 
and, or can it could be. be really bad. So I think we're going to yeah. get a little bit of that on, on our next three episodes. If nothing else will be entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to get to some Hen and Lauder, though, because I, I have a little bit too much oh. fun with Hen and Lauder. That one, I, I actually really fucking hate that movie. That's all, you all know, that. I, it, it grew on me. Not maybe. in, like, the way where it's, like, I'm going to watch that every day. I mean, maybe every once in a while. But, like, the first time I saw it, I hated it. And then I had a little bit more fun. But I, I think I was drinking, though, the last time I watched it. So maybe that was part of it. I don't know. We'll find out. Oh, I'll, I'll watch it sober. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you and Friday Five. Yeah, exactly. It's like I had more fun when I was drunk. Experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you take care, and I will see you for critters. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> Love you. Love.